All right, welcome in. Sunday edition of Always College Football. You have to excuse me for the angle, for the room. I'm in my hotel in Atlanta, just finished up, calling up Georgia and Georgia Tech. Let's start, though, on Thursday night. The Egg Bowl. Excellent win by uh, Ole Miss. They went on the road. They had been scoring at will against Mississippi State, but they took care of business. We haven't seen you, by the way, since Wednesday, so figured we'd start all the way back there. Friday was action-packed. Texas absolutely thumping Texas Tech. Can't say I was surprised. We talked about it on the show. I thought it was a bad matchup for Texas Tech. Maybe there was a chance. Maybe there was an outside shot that they'd be able to go the distance that you know, Texas make a mistake or two. Maybe they battle, but man, it was a bad matchup. If, if Taj Brooks can't get going between the tackles, it was going to be very difficult for Texas Tech to win the game. So Texas took care of business and did so in pretty remarkable fashion. A 50-point margin of defeat is something that you would not necessarily shake your head at. Oregon also, I thought, looked really good in, in Friday's game. I thought that was the best game of Bo Nix's season, probably. I was going to say career, but there have been some other great games too, and I can't recall all of them. But Bo Nix was awesome against Oregon State, probably the best he's looked probably all season long. And part of it was you know, anyone that's watched Bonix, very decisive, very accurate, gets the ball out quick, lets these guys catch and run, really accurate. So when he hits them in stride, they can keep their forward momentum. I mean, there have been plenty of examples where he's just been really like throwing darts all season long. But if you watched him on Friday night, the way he was able to extend plays and throw at awkward angles or retreat in the pocket and still have enough arm strength to get the ball where it needs to go to a receiver that was darting open, pretty dang impressive. So I thought that was, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it was a Heisman moment. I think that could come this week. But it definitely solidified the idea to me that he should be one a or 1B to Jaden Daniels, because I've always felt, at least all season, that Jaden Daniels was the best player in college football. I'm probably softening on that stance based on how Bo Nix played on Friday night. I thought he was excellent. Uh, Texas destroyed Texas Tech, like we talked about already, uh, complete beatdown. And then Penn State killed Michigan State. Michigan State's awful. Jonathan Smith, though, going to be the head coach for Michigan State, which I think is an unbelievably good hire for Sparty. He has done such a great job at Oregon State. And we'll go through, probably on Monday, some of these coaching hires and the timeline because there have been some, been some chaotic moments in the last 48 hours about who's taken what and whether or not the fan base is going to approve and all these other things. So we will hit the coaching hires at some point here in the very near future. But Jonathan Smith taking over Michigan State, my goodness, they need him because they are awful. That was an embarrassing performance against Penn State. Oklahoma, uh, they made pretty easy work of TCU. Dylan Gabriel wasn't sure if he was going to go. He gets it done, and they score 69 points in the process. Is it the swan song for Jeff Levy as he takes Mississippi State? We'll find out. But either way, Oklahoma does really a, an amazing job offensively. So the fact that Jeff Levy's in the mix at Mississippi State or somewhere else is not really that surprising. He's done a great job as well. Uh, Iowa and Nebraska, uh, by the way, we're still on Friday. This is 
how good Friday was, I might add. Iowa and Nebraska, Chubba Purdy and Nebraska has the ball under a minute, driving, possibility of maybe, maybe trying the last second field goal pick. Then next thing you know, Iowa's running it back. Iowa has a player or two to be able to kind of soften it up just a hair. Field goal right down the pipe to win the game. Uh, typical Iowa football. <laughs> and can't say it was surprising at all, to be honest with you. Everything that Iowa's done this year, to get to 10-2, and, and people like to kind of poke fun at how Iowa's, Iowa's won games and their lack of offensive prowess. And By the way, all is fair, but they win. Isn't the goal to win the game? To me, it is, but not necessarily always sexy, not always pretty, but Iowa finds a way. Let's get to Saturday. So many incredible finishes. We've been asking for chaos. We've been begging for chaos. I mean, between Halloween, when the initial college football playoff rankings came out, and now, we haven't really had anything to feel as if things were up in the air. Well, Saturday made up for a lot of lost time. Georgia gets it done on the road at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, however, looked pretty good, man. They had almost 200 yards rushing. We called the game. Georgia did not look as machine-like as they looked up to this point. Now, Georgia Tech's really good, and I know people don't want to acknowledge that. Georgia Tech has a ton of team speed. They have great dynamic weapons. I thought Haynes King played pretty well. Thought there was a moment or two on a fourth and one early where Georgia Tech, if I were them, I would have been a little bit more aggressive. But either way, the interception in the end zone by Carson Beck led to a possibility of Georgia Tech maybe closing the gap, maybe even getting back in the game. They missed their onside kick attempt, and then Georgia iced the game there at the very end. It was a good win because I think Georgia Tech's really good. Really good is probably a bit of a stretch. I think Georgia Tech's really explosive. So I know they're 6-6, six and six, but it's a dangerous team. It's a solid win on the road for the Georgia Bulldogs. Let's get to the big game. And by the way, I'm going in chronological order, uh, with the exception of Georgia Georgia Tech, because that was the one on Saturday involving the number one ranked team, and I was on the call, so it was top of mind, if you will. Uh, let's go to Ohio State and Michigan. I was watching the game, and I just could not have been more impressed with both defenses. Both sides. And I know the final was 30-24. to 24. I thought it was going to be a little lower scoring than that. I'm not surprised that Michigan won. I just thought it was going to be, between the two teams, I thought it was going to be a you know, 21-17, 17-13. I was thinking the total was going to be really low. But still, even watching the game, I was surprised at how well both teams were able to consistently run the football. It's a credit to both outfits. They, I think, did a good job on the edges of both defenses. But what was most amazing to me is that Michigan, they didn't have the big play potential. It was more methodical this year. If you think back to last year when they won the game, it was almost all relying on big plays. Big plays, huge runs, missed tackles in the secondary, guys springing for the 
for the end zone after after a long catch and run. This was a very methodical game, which I thought played into Michigan's hands. Ohio State is more big play reliant. And I thought their defense, like I said, hung in there pretty dang well. It's just at the end of the day, it's like one after another, after another, after another, Michigan was able to make things happen. It was an awesome, awesome football game. I came away very, very respectful of Ohio State. I thought they are a very good football team, but Michigan is who we thought they were. I, I can't say I was surprised. I think they've been the best team from a consistency standpoint maybe all year, with the exception of last week. Of course, that was a terrible performance. They looked awful on the offensive line. Was there some of the look-ahead flu? Perhaps. But Michigan, to me, has been one of the most consistent teams from start to finish, and they will be number two in the ranking more than likely and very deserving of the new number two spot. The next thing I'm very curious about, as I want to go back and watch the tape a little bit further, but the next thing I'm very curious about is how far does Ohio State fall? There is no way that you lost respect for Ohio State yesterday. Anyone that watched the game, it'd be hard to lose respect for Ohio State because the turnover at the end was unfortunate, but they were moving the ball. The turnover at the beginning to kind of break open the scoring where Will Johnson, we talked about last week how important that matchup would be between Will Johnson and Marvin Harrison Jr. And he just read the split. He was wide. He slid inside, cut it off immediately, and intercepted the pass on the slam. That was awesome. That was an awesome play. If not for those two interceptions, would Ohio State have potentially pulled it out? I don't know. Maybe. But – I did not lose respect for Ohio State yesterday. I didn't lose respect or gain respect for Michigan. Michigan is who I thought they were. Ohio State is very good as well, and they need to get credit for that. Washington, Washington State in the Apple Cup moving not in chronological order, but we'll go to the game that was played uh, Saturday afternoon or so. Washington, the fourth and one call by Kalen DeBoer was <laughs> – I can't believe how gutsy that was. That was so awesome. So awesome. To think, all right, we're on our own 29. It's fourth and one. There's a minute and seven seconds left or so. Yeah, we're going to take the game right now. We're going to go ahead and take it right this instant. Little toss to Dunze. He goes out the gate. 24, 25 yards down the road a little bit, sets them up, then they get the the penalty. Now they're cooking with gas and potentially in field goal range. That was, we, we thought, and we talked about this on our Wednesday show, Washington State matches up pretty well with Washington. They do. Washington State does a lot of the th- same things that Washington does. So when their defense is on the field, they're used to seeing that, style of attack outside of Cam Ward running around and, and extending plays and doing some, you know, some schoolyard backyard football, which he's amazing at. They're very similar with, with their styles, but Washington kind of met their match. I didn't think they played very well, to be honest with you. And yet they still found a way. It was a really gutsy performance from Washington state, but it was a gutsy year 
performance from Washington, especially on the fourth and one in their own territory. Moving to number five, Florida State. That was a wild hit at the end by T- on Tate Rodemaker. I'm I'm glad he's okay. Goodness gracious, alive. He slid, took a couple hits right there as he was going down, and I was really concerned on the field. It was up against our game, but I had it in my monitor to the bottom right. And it was not an ideal situation at all. Um, either way, it was not a great performance for Florida State. They were down, took them a little while to get going, went into halftime, down 12-7, and then they figured a couple things out down the road. I think their defense was what was most concerning. Rodemaker did not play well. The protection was not great. It was not an elite performance from Florida State. A lot of people saying they should be bounced. I saw Joel Klatt, his rankings, it's pretty obvious who he works for. But to have Florida State at eight is over the top. Um, they are a team that is currently 12-0. 12-0. They deserve credit for that. They do. Whether you like Florida State or not, and last night was not a resume builder at all. But when you look at the rivalry games, Washington won by three. Bama won by three, Florida State won by nine, Georgia won by eight, Florida State won by wider margins than everyone else, even though there was a last couple-minute touchdown that made that win look a little bit more comfortable than it was. Still a solid win either way, but I think their win-and-end situation next week against Louisville is a very real. Uh, Alabama and Auburn. Y'all, this Iron Bowl games as an Alabama fan, first and foremost, are going to take years off my life. They're going to take years off my life. As a college football fan, I can't get enough. (laughs) If I remove the Alabama equation and I just watch Alabama and Auburn, that game delivers every single time it's in Jordan-Hare. It doesn't matter how good Alabama is and how average Auburn is. Every time it's in Jordan-Hare, That game is insane. It's insane. Fourth and 31, they call a play called Gravedigger, which, love the name. All I can think about is the monster trucks. I have a four-year-old, and we went to, you know, Monster Jam or whatever, and Gravedigger is his his favorite of the monster trucks, that one and the shark one. But either way, I digress. Alabama calls a play on fourth and one. Let's think about the sequence of events. Alabama's rolling. They they have the muffed punt. Fortunate to have the muffed punt for sure. Then they have the ball. They're cooking with gas. They're inside the 10-yard line, first and goal. Then nothing doing. Then they have the errant snap. They're down at the 26. Jalen Milrow runs past the line of scrimmage, backs up, tries to throw it again. Now it's a five-yard penalty. Now you're looking at fourth and 31. How, how on earth Auburn decided to rush just two is insane. I still will never understand the drop nine where they have a quarterback spy with the nose tackle. They're at the last play of the game. Was the nose tackle, are they worried about Jalen Milrose scrambling for a 31-yard gain? I mean, don't get me wrong. He's awesome. He's a great player and has great dynamic capabilities. But are they really worried about him scrambling? On a 4th and 31 situation. Either way, 
No rush applied whatsoever. Milrow, I thought, threw maybe the best throw of his, his career to the back left corner where he was able to time it up perfectly. It was so well executed. So well executed there in the sec- in the in the uh, back end, because I know a lot of people have said, "Well, he pushed off." And I, I did they get away with one a hair, perhaps, maybe just a touch, but for it to be a a throw to Isaiah Bond that was that on the money was amazing. And they're not going to usually they're not going to call any extension by the receiver on the fourth and 31 situation. Either way, it was terribly defended by Auburn and an opportunistic moment for Alabama after about 15 self-inflicted mistakes that game. A lot to clean up for Alabama, but that was an amazing win, an amazing and gutsy performance to pull through. But it was uh, shaky to an extent. Survive in advance, though, has been the theme of the year. Alabama did so. This past weekend, uh, Kentucky gets the ro- win on the road at Louisville. Thought that was going to be Mark Stoops' swan song as he was prepared to take the job at Texas A&M. Some things fell through there in College Station. He's going to now stay at Kentucky, but they get the win against Louisville, which doesn't help Florida State at all. But I still think maybe I'm naive. I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where the committee will jump Texas in front of an undefeated Florida State. Tough time envisioning that, but crazier things have happened, I suppose. LSU, and another excellent performance from Jaden Daniels. They get the win at Texas A&M. Arizona might be the hottest team in college football. I don't know how anybody can look at that second quarter performance. 28 points there in the second quarter. Zero points allowed, I might add. Arizona, since when they played Washington State six, seven weeks ago, has been an absolute terror. And they finished the season 9-3, and three, just a little bit shy of getting the Pac-12 title game, but a lot of respect needs to be given to Jed Fish and his crew. Notre Dame goes and gets a win at Stanford. 9-3 and three season, and I know Notre, fan, Notre Dame fans are not satisfied with 9-3. and three. I get that. There were three games that were opportunities for them to advance. Felt like much of the same for Notre Dame, but that was a great Great dominant performance. Did not get to watch all of it. Did get to watch a little bit of it. It was not super surprising. Stanford, after the first quarter, really had nothing going for them whatsoever offensively. Iowa State gets a big win on the road at Kansas State in the midst of a crazy snowstorm. Not not exactly how I anticipated that one going. Iowa State gets punched in the mouth last week. And I, I would like to encourage everybody to pull up the box score. Just pull up the box score and look at the team stats of Iowa State and Kansas State. Look at the team. Look at the time of possession, which was 42 minutes to 17 minutes or so. 42 and change, 17 and change. Go look up the red zone penetrations. Iowa State had zero. Go look up the plays run. Kansas State ran 102 plays and lost the game. <laughs> It's it's the most uh, – Iowa State lost the turnover battle and still won the game. Go and look at the box score. It is the craziest box score I think I've ever seen in my life, ever. BYU was this close, at least in the first half, to pulling off 
what would have been one of the biggest upsets of the year, which would have ultimately put Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. But Oklahoma State grinds back there in the second half. Game eventually goes to overtime. Oklahoma State scores on their first two possessions of overtime. And then BYU, after what was a crazy fumble, the guy looked like Isaiah Rex's knee was down, but it was actually on the defender's shoe, gets pulled out. They fumble. BYU loses the game there in overtime. So not a huge one as it relates to the college football playoff standing, but a lot doing there as it related to the Big 12 title game. Crazy, crazy outcome there in Stillwater in in a game that I don't think any of us anticipated looking just like that. Tennessee gets it done against Vanderbilt. NC State absolutely wallops North Carolina. NC State's a more physical team. NC State, they were playing well at the right time. It was ugly early. Brennan Armstrong saved his best for last in the rivalry game. NC State continues to own the Tar Heels. Clemson gets it done against South Carolina. It was not a great offensive performance. Thought we might get more from Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks, but it did not materialize. And then finally, Liberty remains unblemished at 12-0 with a big win against Utah, 42-28. That'll do it for us here on a Sunday Reaction Show edition of Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And we will revisit all these games. Like I said, I have not had a chance to watch all the tape. I love Sundays because we get to talk about our initial, immediate, responsive reactions. And then we get to watch the tape and clean it up on Monday. So those are the initial reactions. There were plenty of amazing games yesterday. We will revisit them tomorrow here on Always College Football. And for all of us, for Mark, Jake, Jack, the other Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have a terrific Sunday. Check back with us tomorrow as we set up championship week with some of our big takeaways from week 13 rivalry week here in the college football world. So for all of us here at Always College Football, we hope you have a terrific day. Remember, it's always college football.